I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me as always are my two lovely and talented co-hosts miss sarah buck hello and mr eric smith hey everyone so uh, we have a lot of We Can Geek to get through, and we also have a very special interview this episode um, with Johnny Campbell, the director. I was very thrilled by this, by the way, that um, they came to us and asked us to have him on. Uh, Johnny Campbell is the director of Casual Vacancy, um, which is the J.K. Rowling novel, which apparently is a brick and a half if you actually hold it in your hand. It's like 500 pages. Um, they did a three-part miniseries that aired in the BBC and is now re-airing here on HBO. Actually, um, it started last night as of this airing and will be finishing up tonight. And um, you will be able to catch this, I'm sure, on HBO to go. Uh, but it is a phenomenal series. I got to see it already um, before the interview. And it's going to rip your heart out a little bit. It'll make you want to punch things, and uh, it's a tragic and real story. There's no magic in this. Everything is horribly, brutally real in, uh, in how this plays out, and it takes place in modern times in a, a village in Britain, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one to watch, but it's really, really beautifully done. And I really enjoyed talking to Johnny. And if you did not know, um, Johnny Campbell also directed the entire first season of In the Flesh. Which, if you haven't seen it, you really should. And the other thing he directed that all of you will know, and um, Eric and Sarah will both know, is the fact um, that he directed Vincent and the Doctor for Doctor Who. So he's really good at making you cry, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that, that episode <laughs> makes me sob uncontrollably. And we talk about that. <laughs> we talk about that in the interview. And uh, yeah, I think he was sort of blown away by the fact that I actually knew these things that he directed already. And we, we, we sobbed together about Vincent the Doctor because he can't even talk about it without choking up. They're so, oh, so sad. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's just, oh. And you, I know you, that, that poor monster. Oh, uh, so sad. No, you um, just wait till you see Casual Vacancy, though, because he, he is a, a master at that um, art of pulling on your heartstrings. So um, let's get into the Week in Geek, because we had a lot of stuff happen on TV this week. And we also have some great news items for you to hear about. Um, but first, let's talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because this is the week of Ultron. And this episode, yes, and Grant Ward has a heart. Well, I mean, sort of of. in a jar on a shelf. (laughs) Yeah, like at the end, it's like it's like left you because you thought like they built it up this whole season to be like, oh, Grant Ward and his cute new girlfriend, and he's on the road to, and then at the end, it's kind of like, well, he's just doing the same thing. You know, it was that moment where they're on Agent Thirty Three and. And uh, Bobby's there, and she's like, uh, she goes, "You'll see the, she'll see the Grant that I know," and that line was just delivered so like over the top that I'm like, "They're trying to tell me something." <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I got that wink there, guys. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually really, uh, I dug the episode. It seemed to go really fast, though. Was it me, or maybe I'm just wanting more Kyle McLaughlin and my Agents of Shield? It was. Well, you saw last week's, right? Oh yes, 
That was a lot of Kyle. Not enough. Never enough. <laughs> but she wants the Kyle McLaughlin's show. I, I, I do. I want Twin Peaks. <laughs> I want Twin Peaks. Um, but I really liked it. And they kind of offhandedly, kind of towards the end, almost like it was tacked on, kind of tied this into Ultron, though. And uh, with, there's metal men going to be destroying the cities. And But I did, I have to say, I love the level of snark that Sky had in this episode best There's, line the best line the sonic the hedgehog the sonic the hedgehog <laughs> and then there was i thought your superpowers to spin really fast and collect gold rings yeah and i then, was like oh and what the word. She, she did another one too that i was like oh that's a good one too um and it was later on when they were in the hydro facility i think oh i can't remember what it was ah uh, but she um he did some really good ones this episode and I was impressed. I, I they've really, I, I used to really dislike her character, but they've really fleshed her out. And she had that great battle scene. The scene with just her like yeah. fighting off. Oh my God. That was like, I was like, hot damn. Yes. That is. Yeah. They made her a badass. What yeah. that happened? But so I, I really, really dug it. Um, and I, I, uh, I just, I'm waiting for something horrible to happen with, with uh, Kyle McLaughlin and, and Mr. Hyde, I guess you want to call him in this. And uh, I'm just waiting for something horrible because he's my favorite character. So I know something that's going to happen. Never have a favorite character. I know. It's a bad choice. It's a bad, bad choice. Be to completely do. neutral and everybody will survive. Exactly. Especially a show that Joss Whedon is involved in. You never want to like anybody. I know. Uh, but God, man, what do you think is going to happen with Simmons now? She's crossed the line. She's crossed that line. Well, she she was kept from crossing the line completely. Not really. No, she killed someone. She did, but I think that Bakshi at this point is collateral damage. Yeah, but he was an innocent in in terms of, you know, he'd already been brainwashed by Ward and she, you know, he was actually sacrificing himself to save someone else in front of her. It's it's going to affect her. It's going to affect her. And then Ward with that, I'm disappointed in you. You actually did change. You know, that's like, ooh. I think I think the actual like fact that she killed Bakshi isn't going to really affect her that much. I think it's just that she I, I mean she's out now. Like like Fitz has had issues with her transformation. A ward now knows that so I I think that it's just a matter of time. Until that comes out and people are like, whoa, Simmons. Yeah, there, it's, it's going to, something's going to happen. She's going to realize and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see where they go with that. Um, so moving on to iZombie, which I know that Sarah probably is not <laughs> I I have I apologize, but yeah. <laughs> but we already know how she. Yeah, does. I had to. Well, yeah, and then it's like it's prioritizing too. It's like I have so much stuff to watch and so much stuff to get done in a week that I'm like, I zombies on low on my priorities. <laughs> I really I really loved this episode, and I I liked that they did the whole thing with him eating the brain of the gay guy and. It that whole sequence. Yeah, that was funny. I liked I that. I really liked it. I thought it was sweet, and you know they they their date night and um, uh, her boyfriend's her boyfriend zombie. I'm not even gonna bother learning his name because I'm almost positive he's gonna quit. Boyfriend zombie. His. I'm sorry. The boyfriend <laughs> like... zombie. Um, oh Jesus! He eats the brain of a man that was gay, and he ends up taking on that personality, and it's on date night, so. He's like, I thought at first it was going to be, it's like kissing my mom. I thought that was what he mm -hmm. was going to say. And then he goes, I think I'm a, I, I, I'm gay. And she just looks at him like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then they end up having this great night of uh, just enjoying each other's company and watching TV and eating Cheetos and being goofy and looking at old pictures. And it's so sweet and well done. And then um, he's like, 
I'm gonna go find. I'm gonna go find hetero right now and be back. <laughs> it was so sweet. Oh Jesus, I loved it. No, it was so funny, and I wondered. Very nice character stuff. I, I really wondered. I wondered if they were going to do something like that because it it makes sense. Do it, you think that? Do you think though it crossed the line from um, like like including minority um, sexualities, or do you think it was more like exoticizing them or exploiting them? I don't think it was either. I think it was funnily done and well done. It wasn't. It wasn't overt. It wasn't. It wasn't um, poorly done. It was. There was a great line about. He's like, I wonder. I I wondered why I was feeling this cer- certain way, and then I opened up a magazine and looked at an Idris Elba picture, and 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 the first thing that popped in my mind was a great big mountain of yum, and I'm like, I know people that would say that. <laughs> so I think it was done really well, and it was done in such a way that it it was uh, tasteful. It wasn't overt. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it's not like he was freaking out because he, he was suddenly a, gay. <laughs> yeah, it was just he's like, "All right, this happened," <laughs> and it sort of puts a crimp in our our date. But you know, we'll just live with it until it wears off and things go back to normal. And I also think it's a good nod to uh, the the fact that um, in the the scientific equivalent of you know you don't have a choice when you're gay. Right. You you it's not you're born that you're born with this. This is not a choice. And the fact that um there there's scientific evidence such like uh John Barrowman went through, he went through an entire uh special about it where he was tested and had um scientists actually look at his brain. And it's a it's a makeup in you. That's you're born that way. And I think that's a great nod to that too. I liked how they did it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. So the other show that I don't I don't know if I'm I think I may be the only one that watches this on on on, the, on our show is the blacklist and major major happenings went down this last episode with the blacklist and if you're not watching it you really should be um, because there is some great action there's great acting it's like a mini movie every episode almost. With this show, and they're getting some major guest stars. Like um, David Strathan is in this season right now, as he kind of took over the reins from Alan Alda as the elder statesman actor. That's the bad guy, and it's uh, a lot of plot happened. And now the the fulcrum, which is the the big knows everything piece of technology and knows all the secrets of the government and all of that, has now been opened. They know everything that's in it, and they basically just handed it off to the the um, cabal that's after Red and said, here, we've made copies. Thanks. Here you go. And uh, Red Runnington, you cannot keep him down. He is still alive, of course, and he is also the voice of Ultron. So you really should be watching The Blacklist. I don't know what more to tell you. That's a good show. Oh, that's on my list. I do really want to watch that. The, the entire first season is still on Netflix to stream without commercials. So yeah. you, you should go check that out for sure. Um, so moving on to movie news, Jurassic World is apparently, they made a point to say this, is not including in canon, I guess, the second and third movies. It is a direct sequel to Jurassic Park, the original. Thank God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that's smart. Because it's like, they're like, oh, well, we want to remain in continuity, but we don't have to have to worry about, like, all this other stuff. So, well, and, I think that's a good move on uh, their part. Also, I don't even remember. I, my mind has just destroyed any evidence of there being a third Jurassic Park movie. Because it was I, so horrible. Mine no. has, too. I'm like, I'm like, what happened in that movie? The third one is better than the I second one. I, I have never the seen one where they're stuck in the camper on the cliff. That's I have the second never, movie. I have right? never seen the yeah. second movie. I have oh, never seen it. I, you're I lucky. Heard, I heard so many bad things. I refuse to watch it, even though it's all Jeff Goldblum all the time. <laughs> I I just did not see it. And the third movie was just so horrible, horrible. Oh God, it was so bad. Um. Speaking of horrible, horrible, bad, um, we've talked about this for 
verbatim on this show, like so much about how DC is like rushing into trying to jump on the the wagon of we're going to beat Marvel, we're going to make our own little universe, and but we're going to do it fast. Um, so it sounds like they're that's exactly what they're doing, and it's pissing off a lot of people. Yeah, and well, and it's not working. No, and it, I mean, and this is coming from the Hollywood Reporter, so this is like legit. Yeah, they're, like, not able to do this. It's like they can't sustain it. No, and, and it's weird. It's how I've been – how I would phrase it is they're doing basically a lottery system of if we like your script, you win our, you win, and we'd make your movie. Um, they're, they're giving, like, multiple writers the, the chance to pen a script and submit it for these movies. And they're giving these movies these deadlines of, like, Wonder Woman is going to be released in two years. They don't even have a finalized script. That, well, they had people walk away from it. Just literally say, I will no longer work on this film. Exactly. Uh, which hilariously is how they've been doing some of their comics, too. And that's not working out very well for them either. Well, and then they just came out with the um, the, the the creator that is pissed off about the fact that they're utilizing his cr- character in the Flash series, I think it is, um, Killer mm-hmm. Frost. And they're not, they're doing, they're playing this game of... Uh, legality where they don't have to pay the creators anything to use these characters they're they're treading this little thin gray line of of legal um precedent where they don't have to pay them and it's just bad press all around right now for dc in terms of their t the only good thing is that the flash is so good but at the same time you're you're seeing this stuff come out and it's just horrible about how they're treating writers and and the the people that created the stuff yeah and it's a shame because you can really like something but like can you then really enjoy it knowing that like the people making it are being exploited exactly and and in this one i just can't get over how you're wanting to compete with marvel which spent years tooling together and weaving together these movies and these stories. And they, the only one that really they screwed up was, even though I didn't like Iron Man three at all, really, but Iron Man two was the one that they did exactly like they're doing. DC's doing their stuff. They're making these movies. They're wanting to make wonder woman. They don't even have a final script. That's how Iron Man two happened. They didn't actually have a final script when they were Iron Man two was a huge hit. I mean, people well, love that movie. Because, that movie you know, crazy. people love that movie and they, they, you know, Robert Danny Jr. is able to uh, be charming enough that you don't notice sometimes how horrible the movie is. Plus, Coulson mm-hmm. was in it. And so. Coulson was in it. And that's really all we care about in that movie. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so what it sounds like is, like, with Wonder Woman and Aquaman as well, they're basically... Mm-hmm. Uh, seeding out these uh, possible scripts to writers and asking them to turn them in. And one guy, it turns out, turned one in, and at the time he turned it in, they'd already changed their their, um, idea for what they were going to do with it. So there was no point of him even writing the damn thing. What DC DC needs to do is completely ignore Marvel. And they need to stop, slow down, stop trying to compete. And just build well, their own universe without worrying about keeping up with Marvel or matching Marvel. Well, they and they have a take the time to do it right. They have a different type of hero set too. Their core hero set is your icons. They're yeah. they're the prototypes upon which all other comic book characters are made. They're more I I, I don't know classic. So it's a different type of of movie, you know. You've got a rich billionaire um, gadget dude, but in the term, in the way of Tony Stark, Tony Stark is a snarky bastard. Bruce Wayne is a heroic, uh, broody, brooding hero. You know, jackass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> know all. He's a smartass yeah. too, but he's not the flashy dude that. Tony Stark is. Oh God, but he broods so much. I've, I've started a camp. I've started a campaign to change Iron Man's name to Tony Snark. <laughs> Good one. That's no, but uh, what DC needs to do, and I've been saying this since I think 2010, is a complete changeover of editorial. 
we have known for years that DC's editorial staff um, has sexism issues. Um, they have issues with things that are good. <laughs> uh, and they have personal vendettas. That And it's not everyone, but some key players in the DC editorial are just not people who should be running that company because they're not, I guess what I would say, they're not fully formed human beings. Well, and and (laughs) that's what they said. The gentleman that left that was the head of it, that was such a creator-friendly guy, uh, and the new guy that came over is, is the one that is causing this problem with the creator payments, you know, and, and giving them the due that they deserve. Well, and they're just like eating through writers and artists at DC. Like it's crazy. If you've been watching, they're like, if you pick up a Marvel uh, DC comic book and you look at it, like very few of them now have a recognizable name on it because you're like, who is this person? It's someone they just grabbed from deviant art because they could exploit them. Right, then people will be like, oh, I'm writing for DC, I'm drawing for DC. It's like, yeah, you are, are you going to get paid? Yeah, they're screwing <laughs> over the people who are legitimately talented, who have been in the game for a long time, and who want more control of their work. And let's face it, the work would be a lot better if editorial would loosen their grip. Yeah, I just, I, I think they're going to... It, it's going to become a joke. These movies, I I really have a bad bad feeling. We've talked about this already, Which is but so sad because Jason Momoa is perfect as Aquaman. I I wonder if that will even happen. I oh, I know it makes happen. me so upset because it's like I want to go to him and be like, "It's okay, Jason Momoa. We'll make you Aquaman someday." Like yeah. it's like we will crowdfund you. Yeah, we will crowdfund as, you as Aquaman. a slightly off-brand Aquaman, so that we don't have to run into like, call him Aquavina or something. Like yeah, something like that. Just best, just like best case scenario, Marvel scoops him up as the Submariner. Oh, oh, he would be a good name. Name more <laughs> Oh, and less clothing. Yay. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <It's> the, <laughs> the green Speedo and some wings yes. on his ankles. That I'm okay. okay. See, that's all he should wear all the time. Just saying. <laughs> um, so uh, another comic book movie, though, that was super good and maybe coming back. Although I don't know how they'll do it with Colin Firth um, is Kingsman. Kingsman Yay! was I can't I can't believe it. It's still playing here locally at the first run theater. It's very good. It's so good and it's um, super violent, but it's done really really well. And the thing I loved about that movie was there wasn't an instance of hyper violence in there that wasn't trying to make a point. You know, it was it was done with purpose. Right, and it was and it was a very well done um, comic book movie in terms of. Uh, translating it it they did really well and uh it made almost half a billion dollars worldwide it made 401 million dollars and it's getting ready to hit dvd where it's probably going to do gangbusters god knows i'm buying the blu-ray of this oh Uh, heck yeah um and so there is talk now that they will be doing a sequel now the problem is matthew vaughn who um is the director of it uh actually is going to be doing the Flash Gordon adaptation that's coming out. Um, and uh, the uh, there may not be time for him to do it. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it. There's no official word, but it is, it's um, uh, rumored that they want to really make this happen, and they'll probably jump on this because this is Fox getting another franchise out of, out of it, and uh, they really should hop on it, especially with Daniel... Um, uh, Daniel Craig leaving Bond. This, I don't know when we're going to have another Bond movie after um, Spectre. So this keeps it open for your um, secret agent flicks. Because as I was watching this movie, the thing that kept repeating over and over in my head was, this was what the Avengers movie should have been. This is what the Avengers movie should have been. Why wasn't this the Avengers movie? (laughs) And by the Avengers, I mean... Right, Emma Peel and John Seed. Emma and John Seed. But yeah... this just goes to show that even the non-superhero Marvel movies are fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, oh my gosh, it, it's just beautifully filmed. 
Oh, it's so and it's hilarious. Well, he kind of Matthew. I, now I can't remember. Did Vaughn ask, did Vaughn someone drop something? Did yeah. Vaughn direct Kickass Two? I don't think he did. Did he? Was that someone? No, I, that one. Was I don't think he did. Yeah, that's why I did not like it because it was I like that yeah. Kickass Two. You like yes. it? Ah, oh, for what it, it is. Was, Awful! Oh God, I couldn't even make it through like fifteen minutes. I just stared at it like, what? Am I? I was like, ugh. I, as I recall, it was very close to the comic book. Ugh, I, uh, uh. Uh, I didn't, I didn't like the Kickass comic books either. But well, it just eked me out that you know, him Kickass and and Hit Girl were like smooching, and wasn't she like twelve? I just, I not that wasn't the only thing I I was like eked out by. Um, it's in high school, I believe. Junior high. In the in the sequel. <laughs> and they kissed once at the end. I know, but I. Uh, it was, and she oh, kissed it was him. It wasn't though because like it was really just no. I it, couldn't stand it because like she. You know. You know what was missing was Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah, and her betrayal of like herself as a human—it was a terrible message to young girls. I just didn't. I just did not enjoy it. I, and and Jim Carrey was great in it for the five seconds he was really in it. And and that, I, but I I really, you know what, Big Daddy all the way. I, I I Nicolas Cage made that first movie for me. He was so awesome, and they needed more of him. They needed him in it. Period. I don't know. I don't care how. Bring out his charred corpse. Make him Ghost Daddy. <laughs> and have his flaming head and have him in your movie and it will be all good. So speaking of comic books, um, we only have a couple of minutes before we go to our interview, but free comic book day is Saturday. <laughs> so what better way to spend your weekend than hitting the comic book stores early in the morning on Saturday and then go see Ultron for the third time? Because you know you're <laughs> going to go see it again on Friday. Um, so yeah, uh, the really quickly, I'm going to tell you my picks for what you should grab, um, because these are going to go quick on your free comic book day choices. Number one, which I've already told Sarah, I'm going to try and grab her one, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it off. I may not even be able to get one. There is a three story Doctor Who comic book with 10, 12 and 11. Notice how I said that in order. <laughs> of of, nice. yeah, of importance <laughs> 10, 12, and 11 have a, a three story Doctor Who comic book for free that's going to be one of the biggies this one to grab um, there's also a Fight Club comic book I was going to mention that if you didn't say anything yeah there is a Fight Club comic there is a Bob's Burgers as well <laughs> um, but the big ones to me out of the what they consider the gold comics are the Doctor Who and Fight Club. I think those are the two biggies. There's also a DC Divergence one as well. Um, out of the next layer level of that, um, Secret Wars is in there too. Um, but in the Silver Books, there is an Avengers number one that you can grab. And uh, there is also an Alice in Wonderland special edition one-shot. And the other one that you should definitely grab because it's beautiful and he's a friend of the show is Hatter M. Frank Bedore's awesome, beautiful Alice in Wonderland comics is has a uh, special edition free comic book that day. And um, go ahead. Oh, there's a Gronk, which is uh, the web comic by Katie Cook, who's one of my favorite artists. Uh, she does the My Little Pony comic, and she's been uh, a presence in the online DeviantArt world for a while now. Uh, there's a lot of manga, so if you're a manga fan, hit the free comic book day stuff. There's an Attack on Titan. Um, what else did I see here? Uh, and there's a couple others that are, are strictly uh, manga, which was awesome. Street Fighter. Um, that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm I'm really surprised there's not any more Ultron um, Marvel stuff going on. Because uh, that one year, <laughs> the one year they had a, um, I think it was when Iron Man three came out. Maybe uh, they had a Tony's uh, an Iron Man um, Hero Click that you could get that day, 
that was uh, him flying as Iron Man. It was um, a really, it was the one that you almost lost your hand over trying to grab because <laughs> that's such a unique little thing. I'm surprised they're not doing that for this this year. But um, so, yeah, go out to comic, free comic book day on Saturday. Um, we will be going to a local comic book store here in town to do some videos for you and to interview fans and show you what's going on and the, and the crowds that'll be there. Uh, but support your support print comics. It's yeah, important. I'll be making the rounds in Portland, so if you're up there Come and you see me Go give her a hug because she's yeah. a hugger. I am a, a, I'm a hugger. <laughs> Sarah's a hugger. Um, so, yeah, uh, be sure to go out and check them out and uh, get there early because, like I said, last time we had a free comic book day, there were lines it's it's a big thing now, and um, people like it because it gets their kids involved, and they don't have to fork out money, and it's a fun time. Um, and a lot of places are doing events um, and things like that where you can get signed. Uh, cop, you know, they'll they'll have local artists signing. They'll have people doing um, games, game um, tables that will be laid out for you, and uh, bring in your own comics, and maybe you can get one of them. Um, check to see how much it's worth. Sometimes they have people doing that as well. So. Be sure to go to freecomicbookday.com and you can search for events, I think, in your area as well and figure out what's going on in your town. Absolutely. And with that, um, let's go to our interview with Mr. Johnny Campbell. As I said, um, Casual Vacancy started uh, last night as of this airing and we'll be um, finishing up tonight on HBO. You can check it out on HBO to go, I believe. And uh, it's a very, very good movie. Um, it's actually a, a mini series, but it's around two hours, 45 minutes total. Um, and it has Michael Gambon in it and, uh, quite a, a great cast and just really beautifully shot movie. And, uh, yeah, check it out. And, uh, here's Johnny Campbell. And yes, we do cry a little bit about Dr. Who as you will. So we will see you next week on Fangirl Radio. Um, here comes Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Hello, Jessica. Pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you, too. Um, I just have to get this out of the way first before we go into the casual vacancy. I absolutely, oh, yeah. I absolutely love In the Flesh, and I love, oh, cool. love Doctor Who. So you've done two of oh, my cool. favorite wow. things. <laughs> oh, oh, let's hope it's a hat trick, shall we? <laughs> let's hope it's, we'll make it three. Well, I actually just—I actually just finished um, the last episode of Casual Vacancy um, about two hours ago, and uh, okay. it was absolutely awesome. I'm—I was blown away by how beautiful it was, and just what, how well you managed to condense that book into this, and 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 uh, it was phenomenal. So, well done, you. Great, great. <laughs> well, me and and um, uh, and, and, and uh, you know a host of. of very uh, talented actors and then HODs and of course Sarah Phelps for she, she did the heavy lifting in terms of the you know staring into the abyss of the 500 pages of <laughs> really intense characterful uh, novel and, and, and find a, a route through it um, that hopefully can can be a partner and a uh, and coexist with the novel rather than either just being a uh, 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 a sort of an echo of it, or, or a, 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 a competitor to it, um, which is is, is always a, a danger when you approach an adaptation. Well, and something this, I mean, this this book um, was a huge deal, and uh, I I was curious. One of the first questions I had for you was, what was your reaction when you first read the book, and then um, kind of got brought onto this project? Was it, you know, your your personal reaction? Plus, was it a daunting thing to take on? Um, yes, to all those all those things, it was incredibly daunting. I was, pardon my French, shitting myself <laughs> in many ways because because you know there's nowhere to hide and and, uh, and 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 the best thing I could do to defend myself at that point was just to try and ignore the the prominence of the author really and to sort of just focus on uh, cling on to the story and, and what what it means for me as a director and, and as a person and, and why I want to tell that story and why I want to be with those characters. Um, in terms of when I first read the book, I, I didn't read, the, I hadn't read the book before I read the screenplay. Um, and 
that you can imagine if you've read the book as well that that when I read the screenplay first, um, I, I obviously formed my opinion based on Sarah's mm-hmm. version of the story. And so by going back to the book, you could, it, it took several toing and froing between the two pieces to, to sort of go, uh, okay, now I fully appreciate the magnitude of the task ahead and also what Sarah has done with the first episode already and the choices some of the choices that she's made as a dramatist to go, you know, it, it, it just wouldn't work to do it verbatim, to do it um, one character at a time, um, all slightly living individual lives and only really meeting on the parish council and, and maybe at the school. There needed to be more interconnecting fibres between these characters. And, and I think, you know, some of the choices that, that Sarah made were really, really clever and, uh, and necessary. And they were all, um, as you, as, of course, there would be, they were all, um, uh, you know, given the blessing uh, by J.K. Rowling um, during the script writing process. But, you know, it, 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 it's also, it was very uh, humble of her to allow Sarah and then me when I came on board to sort of to basically chaperone and take care, hopefully, of her material. She accepted it was a different genre, a different medium to, to tell the story, that it had the, that things had to change. Um, but she wasn't... She didn't cling on to it like uh, a, a writer that... that uh, and in the process sort of ripped it to bits by damaging it. Um, you know, uh, she... Uh, like the Caucasian chalk circle where, you know, the, 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 the false mother clings to the child because they want it so desperately. She let, she let it happen and then offered really insightful notes where necessary. Um, and, and that was very liberating and also very productive in terms of what we had to do in three hours on a three-hour canvas. Well, and the, the thing that I liked what you did, and, and it's kind of... A the the style that you came up with for the look of it was very I, I really enjoyed it because it was very bright the colors were very bright everything was beautiful but it kind of was great because it showed how the ugliness underneath in the this small community like was hidden under there and I I really liked how you kind of did that yeah I mean thanks uh, I'm I'm pleased that that that, that struck a chord for you um, you know it it's um, it's also something that that evolves through the piece. So it might start out certain things might start out looking a certain way, but then very very gradually colours become more muted, or the grain gets stronger, or um, uh, you'll find um, uh, not that I expect you to go back and watch it again. Um, but uh, the, the, there are there are sort of some subliminal things going on there visually, which help to under underpin. The, the winds of change that blow through these characters' lives um, uh, after Barry, uh, and before, but after Barry dies particularly. Um, and that was, that was one of the, another of the challenges that we had um, to, to visualise this, myself and the production designer and the director of photography, uh, Sammy Khan and um, Tony Slater-Ling, both of whom I'd worked with on In the Flesh. So, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd had such a good experience with them on that, and I'd worked with Tony loads of times, but... Um, uh, it was the first time I'd worked with Sammy, and uh, the three of us got back together again, like the Musketeers, to sort of mm-hmm. uh, to, to grapple with this story and, and what Sammy brought to the the level of detail in the sets. Um, pretty much every single set you see has has been created from an empty room. Uh, the, the notion of people's lives just sort of there in the in the in the in the in the, in the um, production design, coupled with Tony and, and um, a really interesting idea of using uh, vintage. I don't know how interested you are in this, actually. I should ask, really, before well, I, it, well, that um, was kind vi- of Vintage lenses, basically. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. Sort of cast a poetic look, um, especially for the, for the younger generation. We wanted to distinguish between the teenagers yeah. and the adults. So we sort of treated the adults, you know, slightly less poetically than we did the the younger generation well and the other part of that um, too kind of 
I saw a lot of foreshadowing that you were doing within this, and, and I, I really liked kind of the, I, I, like you said, there's like these little subliminal things in there, but the one thing I really noticed was like the significance of water. You really, it yes. kept showing up, and I was like, oh, I know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that that again, it was it was one of the. Um, I don't know whether you've seen the, these French films, the uh, Jean de Florette and Manon des Sources um, uh, uh, films, um, but wa- water is a huge theme in those films. It's one of the the references Sarah and I had when we were talking about this as a story, as a sort of uh, an observation of human nature uh, and greed and um, envy and all the various vices that we display. Um, all of us at some point in our lives, I'm sure, um, and that that water was particularly important to, to J.K. Rowling as well. Um, the river was very symbolic. It's, it's, it's symbolic in um, uh, in terms of the geography of Pagford. It's symbolic in terms of um, the Sikh religion. It's it, it's it, you know it's symbolic in terms of the ending mm-hmm. of the story, and yet the notion that it keeps on flowing, and you know no man walks in the river the same river twice um so th- there, there were lots of, of things to do with water and I, wa- I wanted to sort of exacerbate that so for example um you know i wanted to 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 make it um change it from being a say a hotel into a spa hotel the notion that they had they had they had this amazing uh, spring in packford um uh, and we, you know we found this fantastic location which had this ancient spring um, with well dressing saying um, uh, um, uh, uh, you, you know giving giving the viewer a sense that that there was this huge tradition um, and ascension is written in flowers uh, on, on, on this uh, on, on the well um, and the notion that the river itself sort of snakes round Pagford a bit like a noose you know we exaggerated the oxbow sort of um, river in order to sort of have that imagery well and the other thing that i noticed too um was sort of the the adults in this um missed the entire point of of what the kids represented which is they were more focused on you know themselves and getting this this spa and the renewal of the village in that, but they missed the point that the kids were actually the renewal of the village, and that kind of came across really well. Totally, and I really like. Yeah, that. I mean, you see, you see, you you you've you've hit on something that so many people have missed, um, and, and maybe that's my fault, or maybe it's it, it's just that they would always miss it. Uh, as Sarah says, sometimes. Um, uh, if people have a sort of a, a, a sort of sensitive nerve to be to be struck by this, it will be struck. Other people, cold-hearted, whatever you want to call, <laughs> won't be moved because they're not there to be moved. Um, but yes, I mean, it, it, it's by focusing on the adult characters. Uh, it, again, it, it almost it, 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 people forget that actually it's the teenagers that are, are at the heart of this particular story and it's always marketed you just need to look at all the pictures people choose they're starting to come round to show the one of Abigail um, but it's always Howard and Shirley and it's really it fascinates me because actually the, the, the teenagers the ones that are ignored the ones that are shouted at the ones that are abused um, and taken for granted are the future and the story is as much about them if not more than it is about the adult characters and and some of the characterization of the adults is actually deliberately intended to sort of be seen through the eyes of the teenagers who quite happily will see through the adults for what really makes them tick. Um, so that's a really, really clever and insightful uh, point you make there. Um, um, I'll, uh, I'll give you the email addresses of all the critics that have missed it. And you can, <laughs> Thank you. you. Can I appreciate that. I mean, I, I, I really, it grabbed me in, in regards to that because you see so much, like right now specifically in the, in the U.S., specifically in Baltimore right now, you've got so many horrible yeah. things going on. And you, you see who's out there protesting this, and it's the kids. It's the teenagers. Um, 
And it's because of a, you know, here as as well as in the UK, apparently, you have a long tradition of, of bigotry, you have a long tradition of callousness towards the classes, and it's yeah, it's really horrible. And you, you when you've seen enough of that, you catch it, and you see where the truth is in it. Yeah. So. Somebody tweeted recently. Um, it was to do with the election that we're campaigning that we have going on in Britain but I think it can equally be applied to a situation like you have going on at the moment which is um, he said a hey elitist commentator sneering about such and such a person and something that they've done how many disillusioned young people do you reach right. you know and it's it is very much about that generational gap um, and and ignoring it at your peril you know um, because it's becoming more and more powerful, especially with social media, I think. And, uh, you know, it, it, why, why should they be ignored? Exactly. You know, it, I mean, they're going to be uh, the ones taking over in, in, what, 5, 10, 20 years? They are, yes. They are us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are us, yeah. So I, I know I'm probably going to lose you here in about a minute, but I have one question that I, I wanted to ask. The other thing that struck me was the representation yeah. of death you had in this to both Barry and Howard. I, I liked uh-huh. how you presented it, and it almost reminded me a little bit of, of Terry Gilliam and a little or, not, or Terry Pratchett a little bit um, in terms of, of how he looked, but just how you, you presented that was really well done and very, very creepy, and um, I really liked it. Yeah, great. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you like the creepiness of it. It was certainly something that I wanted to make a bit different and kind of went to town on it quite a bit. Um, the notion of the, the Grim Reaper as depicted by a sort of a, a farm worker mm-hmm. sort of a, from the turn of the century, timeless classic um, image of a farm worker that, whose job is now redundant in that area. So there was symbolism in, in him. Um, and we, we got this fantastic um, uh, performer called Pascal Laurent, uh, a French um, uh, performance artist who, who was on these massive stilts uh, to play death to give that sort of looming uh, looming sense um, and I was sort of inspired by uh, an artist called Alfred Kubin who I'd studied um, when I was at university um, and some of his depictions and Goya you know some of the, their depictions of, of death uh, and the dance of death particularly so he, he was accompanied by his sort of troop of Morris dancers with baseball bats, um, <laughs> and uh, and and also just I wanted there to be a, a synergy between Barry and uh, Howard, and for Howard's indigestion uh, to to sort of manifest itself in that way. Um, he sort of is food. He, rep- he kind of the fact that he is, is this delicatessen that. So, so going to town with the worms and the maggots Ooh, and the, yeah. the delicatessen was particularly uh, horrible. Yes, don't ever do that, incidentally, if you ever get the urge to try that. It was revolting. Well, I, I have a thing about worms and maggots. It's just, no, uh-uh. not, not no. even in the realm no, of possibility. No, you don't want to go there. Don't, don't go there. I'm, I'm itching now, actually, to the thought of it. Oh, God. <laughs> don't remind me about it because I and was like, smell. oh, oh the smell. Let me tell you. Oh, oh God. God. And then there's cheese made with maggots, which I don't even want to get into that. I don't know how that works. No, uh, you don't. God. Don't go there. <laughs> don't want to go there. Well, well um, I think they're going to grab you from me in a minute, but I wanted to ask you really quickly, even though this has nothing to do with casual vacancy, but we're going to go back to Doctor Who because your episode, Vincent and the Doctor. Oh, yeah. Um, one of my all-time favorites, and I'm a classic Who girl too. I, I've watched all of them, and that one just oh, yeah. knocked me on my my rear with just emotion. Like it, it got me. W- were you surprised by how many people this ep- that episode specifically touched? Because it was just absolutely beautiful, and I was a sobbing wreck. Um, good, good. <laughs> I'll, I'll add you to the list um, of no sobbing wrecks. I mean, it's it's, it's a really interesting. It's one of those very special shows, and In the Flesh had a sort of an, an element of that at the end, mm-hmm. which touched. If I, if I try and describe it to somebody, I sort of find myself having to talk a bit slowly, and <laughs> <laughs> this huge lump coming into my throat. You, 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 know, you start tearing it, up. I mean, I, you can't I, I, the, with Vincent and the Doctor, it was that was what 
made me want to, to, to go and work on it. I didn't read the script. Richard hadn't written the script at that point. It was just a pitch, like a back of the envelope thing, saying what the story was about. You know, the, the, the doctor goes back in time to help Vincent destroy a monster. And, and, uh, and then, as, as, as sort of by way of uh, not payment, but, but to sort of try and make him feel a bit happier sort of brings him to the present day to show him you know what an amazing artist how well loved he is and that got me you know it's like bloody hell that's that's somebody using time travel for for the, the purpose of good um and that's that's you know that's richard curtis uh through and through and with stephen moffat um as the showrunner it was just an amazing experience and uh uh, yeah, it was it was a special story. It always felt special. The actors we got um, to play in that Tony Curran oh performance, God. and uh, I think Matt and Karen as well. Everyone sort of really, really rose their get rose their game, uh, raised their game, rose their game. I don't quite sure what I'm saying <laughs> now. Uh, they raised, they, everyone raised their game. <laughs> they, they they didn't rose it. They raised their game uh, in order to um, uh, yeah, just just match. The, the sort of the beauty of that that sort of story about humanity uh, and Tony Curran man he his just him sobbing and crying on screen I'm gonna have to take I take time out I think yeah um, no I'm just thinking about it no, and, it's, and it's a beautiful story I'm so pleased it, it touched and moved you and that it's one of your favorites it's definitely uh, you know one of mine and uh, uh, you know it was a real thrill to work with Matt um, and well, and then Bill, and Bill Nye. Bill Nye, he, I was going to say, don't part. forget Bill Nye, because forever Bill Nye. Well, thank you so much, Johnny. I, I so appreciate it. And you just do some beautiful, beautiful work. And uh, I want to just thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. you. You live up to your name, Fangirl Radio. You, you got it. That, that's yeah. what we are. <laughs> yeah. Jessica, that's what can I say? You, you, you definitely, definitely live. It didn't disappoint there. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I am, I am the, I am the fangirl. So, <laughs> spread, spread the word, spread will, the word, babe, about about this show coming out. I totally will, man. I right. thank you so much. Thanks. Absolutely.